Thank you for this privilege this afternoon to come and share with you what God has placed in my heart. I know that I am among a lot of scholars, a lot of wisdom, a lot of Sunday school teachers, people that have been involved with the Word and engaged with the Word for many, many years. I should be sitting down and uh, listening from your lips. But I take this opportunity with humbleness, and I know that is is a privilege to open God's Word and to share uh, to you what God has placed in our heart. It is a great honor to know that we are in a nation today that right now we're celebrating this worship service. And I should not be afraid that someone from the uh, government will come and say, what are you doing? I am happy that no one will say, stop. You are not allowed to preach God's word. So, uh, based on that, I just want to praise God for the great nation where we are today, where we have freedom of religion, freedom of expression. The scripture today is found in the book of Mark, chapter 6. Our church has been uh, going through the book of Mark for the last weeks. We are studying the life of Jesus and learning about Jesus through the lens of Mark. Mark, among the other gospel, was the first one that was written. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are known as the synoptics gospel. Basically, that means that these gospel have if you put them one, side by side by side, they will have a lot of the stories in each one of them. The same story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They, that is basically saying we are seeing things under one lens. And many believe that it, many of them took a lot of information from Mark. He was the first one. In chapter 6... We're going to learn something interesting about the life of Jesus. Beforehand, I want to uh, let you know that I have a lot of good imagination, and you're going to go with me in some of my uh, reflections and thoughts that is going to be today discussed in this message. In honor of God's word, I will ask you to please stand up. And the Bible says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did these men get these things? They asked, what's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Dear God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity of reading your word and having a little discussion with you through it. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and help us. Help us to conform to your word. In Christ Jesus. Amen. In chapter 5 of Mark, you will find Jesus performing great miracles. Among them, you will find that he healed a man that was possessed by a demon. You will find that a lady who was sick with uh, bleeding also was healed. And also you will, you will read that a girl that passed away has been resurrected. Every miracle was done by Jesus, but the miracles were not identical in the way he approached the situation. I said that because when you read Jesus left there, well, there was that he was at Jairus' home. Now he's coming to his house. And now he's coming to his house with his disciples. He says he left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. By the way, you and I, we have a task. A task that has been given to us centuries um, ago. And it's the task of go make disciples. Jesus went around Galilee and other places and found men and he called them to himself and he became his rabbi and they became his disciples. I said that because it is interesting to know that this disciple is going with Jesus. He is going to his house. He is they are going to spend time in his environment. As disciple makers, we should be open to invite our disciples to the comfort of our homes. It shows that Jesus was a very hospitable person. He says, please come to my house. I went once to this place in Louisiana. And I wanted to impress a person. And I wanted to use my English. In Spanish, the word hospitable is hospitalario. So... I wanted to tell that person, thank you for being hospitable. But I did not know the word hospitable until I said my word. I said, your community, your neighborhood was very hospitalarious. <laughs> An English teacher was there and corrected me and she used the word hospitable. And I said, whoa. But the... Uh, the matter of the fact is that you were hilarious and you were hospitable, therefore you are hospitalarious. <laughs> the thing is that Jesus brought his disciples to his home, to the comfort of his neighborhood. He says, come 
be with me. When Jesus made disciples, set us an example to all of us. He always set an example before he could ask you to do something. How did Jesus get disciples? One, he stood up and he, starts, he, he was walking around the Galilee shore and he was seeking people to disciple. Another thing that you can learn about Jesus' approach of discipleship making is that he enjoyed being with his disciples. He likes to, he enjoyed also to uh, fellowship with his disciples. When I said that, immediately I started to think about a person from this church. Her name is Miss Dana Hughes. Miss Dana Hughes, before I came to Tifton, Georgia, she and her husband, they were doing an outreach program among the Latino community. Something I learned about our sister was her spirit and her commitment to reach out, to disciple, to spend time with the kids, to spend money, to do whatever it was in her power to really invest in the life of, of those that she understood was under her care. And she led a lot of them to the Lord. And I praise the, praise the Lord for her testimony because it inspired me and it should inspire you to understand that the Great Commission is to all of us and is not to few of us. And Jesus, you could see that he's inviting his disciples to be with him. I know for those that are very uh, serious about studying the Bible, homiletics, hermeneutics, you would say, man, Pastor Jose, today you are doing an awful, awful hermeneutic. I know right now I'm not going through the principles on how to interpret the manuscript. I know that, but it just caught my attention, the fact that Jesus had his disciples come to his house. I know that the theme of this message is about not being able to believe in Jesus. Because he was in the synagogue and he was teaching, he was performing miracles, and people were listening to him left, right, he was doing things, but people were not believing they were, they were not responding. I understand that. But we're going to get to that point. But I wanted to highlight that because I believe that us as Christians, we should be engaged in making disciples. I believe that. When we talk about Jesus, if I will ask a question to you, what will be something that you really, you will, that you really appreciate about Jesus' ministry or something that will amaze you about Jesus' ministry, I will say that most of, us, most of us will say his miracles. But do you know that he spent more time teaching than performing miracles? Jesus' ministry was based on equipping the future generation. He has. He had three years prepare these young people. A carpenter of profession. We learned that that's his, that was his profession because it says, it says it here. Isn't him, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter? 
The carpenter became a rabbi. A rabbi became a disciple maker. And this disciple maker started to make people scratch their head and ask questions such as, Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, Aaron, his sister, here with us? Therefore, I have a question. Where did this man get these things? They ask, what's this wisdom that has been given him? They ask those questions in Jesus' days. Jesus' ministry, the most important one, was teaching. Do you know that every time Jesus taught, he was always seeking Seeking to get an answer for his audience. Always. Some people will say yes. Some people will say no. Some people will say he is crazy. Some other will say no. He is possessed by a demon. Nevertheless, he always sought among people for answers. One of the answers he was expecting people as he taught was the answer to receive him as Lord and Savior. Another answer that he always sought on people was to repent of their sins. Another answer he always sought among people was to love one another. To love God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus sought always, always an answer from his disciples and for the people uh, from the people that were around him when Jesus taught Jesus always made the word the center stage of his message When people asked him questions, he always had a reference of the prophets, of the law of Moses. He always had a reference regarding what the Bible said. When Jesus taught, he encouraged people to go deeper into the knowledge of the word of God. When Jesus taught, he always wanted to let people know that the ministry he was doing was going to be the fulfillment of God's word. He was not asking anyone to have lights, microphones, a nice setting. His ministry was based on God's words always come true. One day Jesus says, El cielo y la tierra pasará, mas mi palabra no pasará. How do you say that in English? Por favor. Heaven and earth will pass away in my words. How do you say that verse in English? 
Yes. Another verse in Isaiah 48 says the fo as follows. Quieres subir, Francisco, te lo voy a agradecer. Porque ahora voy con el, voy con el engine a todo lo que da. Is, 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 Isaías 48. Isaías 48. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God, of our God, stands forever. Jesucristo le gustaba enseñar la palabra de una manera con autoridad. Estoy yendo contigo porque Jesucristo estaba en la sinagoga enseñando. ¿Qué estaba enseñando? La palabra de Dios. Y una de las cosas que usted va a encontrar en el libro de Marcos es que Jesucristo enseña la palabra con autoridad. Y ellos comparaban su autoridad y decían esta autoridad es muy diferente a la de los escribas y los fariseos. And people would talk about his teachings and say his teachings are different than the scribes and the Pharisees. Porque era una enseñanza clara, directa. Because it was a clear teaching, a direct teaching. Una manera de que nosotros podamos mirar esto es leyendo el sermón del monte. A way that we can see this is reading the sermon on the mount. Por ejemplo, le voy a leer aquí lo siguiente. For example, I'm going to read you the following. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I told you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you, are, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your advers adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison I tell you the truth you will not get out of until you have paid the last penny do you notice the authority of his teaching first he show you something that he says you learn this but I want to show you a way that this need to be interpreted first you heard about not murdering but I'm gonna to say to you when you are upset and that in a, in a level that you are angry with someone you need to do something about it you should not stay that way that was Jesus and when he was at the synagogue he was clear his authority was clear notice that he referred to the scripture then he found application and this was not a sermon just hey, hey let me have a point and let me have an application no this is something that we should do How many of you were upset this week? How many of you need to settle your relationship with someone? Maybe it's not this week. How many months do you need to wait for to deal with that? 
That was Jesus' approach. <laughs> well, let's move to another one. What about adultery? He said, you have heard that it was said do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who too looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown to hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to get into hell. Hey, is that authority? May I ask? It is clear. It is direct. We need to preach this way again. How many of you will be blind and no hands? Based on this, please don't give testimonies right now. Hold on. But what I'm saying to you, uh, appealing to you, brothers and sisters, is that when Jesus was in that synagogue with his disciples, he was opening the scripture and he was offering the people an avenue to come right to repentance, to receive him as, as Lord and Savior, to find him themselves in obedience to God's will. Not conforming themselves to the world, but conforming to God's spirit. Amen. Amen. That's what we're talking about. When you find this in the scripture, it is very clear that his teaching brought a lot of wisdom. They said, where, what this wisdom? Jesus' teaching was full of wisdom. So when you engage your time in the scripture, yes, some of you are great scholars. I'm happy. I want to emulate you. I want to have a, a discipline that every morning, I will be the, that will be the first thing that I will do. I, I want to engage. I want to go deep. I want to research. And when you do that, you will find that wisdom Wisdom will be a trait in your life. What happened in Jesus' life? Jesus was known as a man of wisdom. When he was in the book of Luke, lost, Mary lost Jesus, Joseph lost Jesus. He was over there with the Pharisees, with the teachers of the law, and they were amazed of the wisdom of that young man and woman. It is unfortunate that I don't see a lot of young people here today. But we need to tell that young generation, we need to engage ourselves in God's word. I hope they could memorize God's word. Jesus was known as a man of wisdom. When you engage in Jesus' teaching, you engage in learning his wisdom. Jesus, Jesus taught us that when you go into the word, you, get, you become wise and you become skillful when you find yourself in, in the midst of temptation. What did he use when he found himself in the midst of temptation? God's word. But also he used the word. When people came, there was the high priest. 
Maybe they sent him and he says, you scribe, you Pharisee, you Levite, go, follow that man. That man is twisting things. There's a scripture in the, in the book of Matthew chapter 15 that will illustrate what I'm trying to say to you. Jesus used scripture for wisdom. Jesus used scripture to overcome temptation, but also Jesus used the scripture to help his, crit their crit his critics to understand the right meaning of things. For instance, on chapter 15, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do you disciple why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Do you lie those? <laughs> Will you lie, Jesus, to be the senior pastor of First Baptist Church? <laughs> Tradition over God's word. And Jesus says, God's word all will prevail, not our tradition. And also, being engaged in God's word enabled Jesus to be obedient to God's will. What happened to Jesus will happen to you. When we see it at the foot of Jesus, we will learn to be wise. We will learn to face temptation. We will learn to face our critics. And we will learn to obey God's will. When he was at Gethsemane, he was asking for his will not to be done, but the Father's will to be done in his life. Now, you will say again, that does not relate to the text. That does not relate to what he's teaching over here. Well, I don't know what was the message Jesus was teaching at the synagogue, but I know the reaction of the people. And the reaction of the people were disbelieve and they did not want to have Jesus' teachings in their lives. That's what I know. Why? Perhaps because they thought he doesn't have a lot of school. He's just a carpenter. He's not like a Levite or someone from the Sanhedrin. Perhaps because he was too young, perhaps 30 years old, I don't know. He's too young to teach me. I praise God for our brother TJ. He's a great preacher. 
And I'm amazed on how God uses him. Yes, he doesn't have a seminary degree. So what? <laughs> and I appreciate the, today the honorable title of Dr. Jose Lope. <laughs> Nonetheless, I barely made it. I should not look at, look at him down. No, we need to lift him up and help and encourage him. He says, you are doing a great job, bro. You're preaching God's word. You have been bold. You're giving us direction. We need a new generation. Jesus was 30 years old. Perhaps they didn't receive that because he was too young. Or perhaps because it is hard when you are confronted. And Jesus said, your sin has been revealed. And you don't want to let go. That sin, that pride. Why they did not want to receive Jesus' message. Do you know that Jesus' brothers are mentioned here? They were not there at that moment. But you read chapters before, you will find his brothers and his mother outside asking for him. Could you ask them to come here? And when you read the book of John and you find that Jesus is, there is a celebration that is going to take place in Jerusalem. And his brothers are saying, hey, aren't you popular? You should go to Jerusalem. You have followers. They will be ready to receive you over there. But few verses before says, and people were seeking Jesus to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus. And there, his brothers were saying, hey, go to Jerusalem. But what is was the striking part was when they says, they said that because they did not believe in him. Even his own family, family, neighbors, people, acquaintances. Then, why then you don't get the miracles? Why then you cannot see God's hands operating in the midst of your home, in your life, in your community? Lack of faith, lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. That's the reason. Is this now making more sense to you? At least it's making sense to me. Today's Memorial Day, I hope this message is memorable. He was alone. The Bible says, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. On John 20, 27, you will find Thomas in front of the recent Savior, Jesus.
Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And then he said, Stop doubting. I believe. Stop doubting. Unbelief. The antidote of unbelief is to believe. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe. We have to believe. A friend of mine went to jail, uh, prison ministry, okay? <laughs> prison ministry. <laughs> and he said, Jose, it is amazing that now they're putting more restriction on our teaching and preaching among the prisoners. And what about giving Bibles away? Oh, that is also another situation, another issue. Wow, yes, it's being tough, but nonetheless, God's word is being preached among those men and women. When I meditated on this word, I was meditating on the state of our nation. And the state of our nation is telling us this. We have lack of belief in that book. This book is no longer into our context. This book needs to be adapted to our new situation. This book and some places will say, it's obsolete. Ban this book away out of the schools. Don't let the Ten Commandments be displayed on our city halls. They are so offensive. Of course it's offensive to their sins, to their depravity. But we, as people of God, we need to be like Jesus, in spite of lack of belief, we need to continue to preach on God's word. And with that, God will add those signs that will say, let us trust in the Holy Bible. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Our generation need your word. We need to make, be better, better in that area. First in our own lives, but also working with the next generation. Jesus, 
Jesus one day. He was teaching. And some people didn't, didn't like what he was teaching. And left him. And then he looked at his apostles and he said, Are you going to live also? And they realized, no. In whom we're going to find words of eternal life. Thank you, God. The invitation, this message to you, is for salvation. For you that have not made that decision yet, today is the day of your salvation. Jesus is expecting you to respond, not with lack of faith, with belief. He wants to give you eternal life. Whoever you are, don't be embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. Will you please raise your hand right now in response to God's message and say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Also, I'm going to address you that have been lukewarm in your walk with Jesus. You feel outside that you are alive. Sadly, inside. Dry bones. Today is the day. To stop being lukewarm. Run to Jesus. He's waiting. I'm going to address you who God is putting in your heart something relating, relating about serving, committing your time, your skills, committing your life to serve this church. Whether it's within the children ministry, youth ministry, music, we have a place for you. There is a place for you to serve. Yes, for you. Will you like to come? I will wait for you. I will pray with you. I will rejoice with you about your decision. Maybe you have another decision. But whatever decision you have to make tonight, let us settle it with the Lord.